wicked, wicked fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit SixFlags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sari Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode of Age of Heroes, my podcast. This is episode number 176, if I remember well. But today is a special day for me because I have a special guest, um, a, a person that I actually admire a lot. I follow his channel on YouTube, uh, Omar from uh, Near Mint Condition, and he is a... I would say a powerhouse right now in YouTube uh, for all the comic book fans because he is the person that you need to go when you need information. He's the person that I like to watch uh, his videos. I love his uh, book reviews. I love all the information he offers. He has the news and definitely is a person that his channel has been growing. But the most important part is that he offers great content. And uh, I definitely am excited that he took my invitation. And He is busy. Um, he has... His channel is growing, and also he has a family, so I know that time is precious. But he took the time for this uh, conversation, and I'm really glad, and I'm excited for this opportunity. Hello, Omar. How are you? Hey, I'm really good, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate uh, this. Uh, so, And thank you for all the kind words. That really means a lot to me, because uh, I'm still... You know, I still see... I, I, I guess that's the way I've always been. Like I still, I still see myself as a, a little channel. <laughs> with <laughs> with all these uh things that happen and um still trying to make it grow i guess that's a good way to think though like you be humble and, and, and think you're always uh, maybe that's just my mentality but thank you so much for the kind words is what, what i was getting at yeah it's um you know i think one thing i've been you know in youtube um i've been doing stuff on youtube for like nine years now yeah and i've seen so many different channels you know come and go and channels grow but one thing I can say about your channel, I started watching your channel, um, I would say, um, a few years back when you started doing, I know that you, in the beginning, you were doing a lot of stuff um, with other other people, other uh, oh, people yeah, collaborating, my... your friends, mm -hmm. and you yeah. were doing a lot of like, uh, you know, round the table conversations about a lot of geeky stuff, which was super cool. But then, of course, you went into more into the comic book stuff. That's what you've been doing, kind of concentrating lately a lot, and uh, I definitely enjoy your content. And one thing I really love about watching your channel and, you know, I've been following so many different, I follow many channels, but a lot of people, they, um, they come across as that they, they really, they, they care about the comics, but they necessarily know are really as passionate as they claim to be. But one thing mm -hmm. about you, when I watch is that I feel that, that you are the real deal, that you really know the comics, that you care about the comics, that you know the history of the comics, which is important to me. And uh, you're not biased about things, and uh, and I love that the fact that we are kind of contemporary around the same age. It means yeah. that we grew up in in an era where you know we grew up in at the end of the Bronze Age into the modern age. So it's like mm -hmm. we. I'm a passionate about a lot of things. You know, not some people. You know, I, I know probably you've been. Um, you know, a lot of people. Um, I'm in a lot of Facebook groups, and a lot of people. If you depending on where you, uh, what part of your where you started reading comics with that what era that's what you're going to love it's the best era ever <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i think because we grew up in this um in this time where we were between eras it's like we can we love the old stuff but also we know we love the new stuff 
Mm-hmm. So I'm open always for comics. I love comics regardless. I don't care where they come from. As long as the story is good, the art is good, I'm okay with that. And I feel that that's something that you always portray in your, in your channel. You're not, you, you love the, the art. You talk about the art. talk about the stories, and you're all full of information. Now, let me ask you this, um, because sure. I know that, you know, it's not an easy thing. You know, it's not like you can just simply uh, grab a book and just read it and you know everything. You know your history, how everything started for you, um, when everything started for you know, the love of comics for you. Um, I think it all goes back to my childhood. I grew up in Peru and down there, like, uh, we had a magazine called Condorito. Okay. And it was, I think it's a Chilean magazine, if I'm not mistaken, but it was a comic strip. Um, but it's funny because going back and looking at it, it's got a lot of adult themes and a lot of adult humor. Like all the women are drawn really, really yeah. thick. <laughs> and all the guys are just these goofy looking characters and Condorito himself, he's a condor. But but for some reason, like my, my friends and I would read that stuff and, it, you know, it was just part of comics. I guess it would be like the equivalent of something here, like Archie comics. Yeah. But it, it wasn't until I had uh, appendicitis and I was taken to the emergency room down there. And down there, it was a free clinic. It was 19, well, almost 1984. I was six years old. Um, that i had to wait like it, here it's i'm so jealous of all the people that show me their appendix like their, <laughs> their appendix like their scars it's like three little dots mine has this like it looks like they gutted me <laughs> they cut me open like half of my stomach open uh-huh. uh but it was a free children's clinic so we had to wait like two or three days because something was going on with quarantine or something but at the at that time my uncle who lives in miami Mm-hmm. had sent me a care package uh, for my birthday and I arrived there late. And inside of that care package were a bunch of comic books. Mm-hmm. And the one that stuck out to me was Uncanny X-Men 168. However, it was all in English and I didn't read English. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I was six years old. I was barely reading uh, Spanish. Spanish yeah. <laughs> so, but I love the pictures. I love the, the sequence. It was different than the things I was reading at the time. And for some reason, easier to follow the panels because I could tell who was upset, who was yelling at who. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember these things in my head, like uh, the arguments they had. And then somebody, and this was all Paul Paul Smith who drew that issue. And um, it wasn't until I came to America a couple of years later that I actually started reading it and rereading it, you know, and it became like one of my favorite issues because that's, that's the beginning of the from the ashes storyline so i it all started with that now there were other comics that he sent me like there were i think it was like spider-man and superman the, like the superman 80 page reprints mm-hmm. uh the, there was a maybe wonder woman um and a couple of other like i can't remember like maybe for kid comics but that's the one that stuck out to me i love the artwork and I, for some reason i would pretend to read it I don't know if anybody ever else did that. Like when we, um, some of the cartoons we would get down there, I forgot about this, man. Some of the cartoons we would get down there were only in English. My brother and I didn't understand anything that was going on. Mm -hmm. So whenever we would play with toys or pretend to play with toys, we we would pretend to be speaking in English. Uh I forgot. I I forgot about that until now. And I would do the same thing with comics. I would pretend to be reading in comics. It just gibberish in my head. I, I had no idea what the heck I was talking about. But anyway, um, that that kind of is what started everything. And then he would send me more care packages. I was like, I don't care about clothes. I don't care about shirts. I don't care about you. Like he was, yeah, just send me the uh, cheese this. And he was like, okay, okay. Uh, He, I think he would get them from like 
a um, like a newspaper place, uh-huh. like where where he would get his newspaper before he go into work. And the guy had him discounted if they were like over a couple months old because he just needed to change the inventory over. Yeah. So he gave it to him by a discount. But that that's that's where it all began, man. It was it was great. Oh, what a great time! And no idea. I I mean. I was building the stories in my head. I had no idea where, because he would give me issue 168 and then the next issue I would get would be like 171, something like that. Uh, And then there were, there was like a little mini, he got me like Wolverine number two or something. I, but I didn't care. I was just blown away. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. And haven't looked back. I mean, I did take a, I did take a break though. Like most people do. Like most like I was a teenager, I was in high school, and then Onslaught was my breaking point. That I always blame Onslaught. It's it's not a hor- well. It might still be a horrible storyline to some people. <laughs> it's definitely not the worst, but it's the one that I was like, okay, I think I I think I've outgrown the genre, and I need to move on. Because I was I was a senior in high school when that came out. Mm-hmm. I was already getting classes in in college. Going to move away. Had a job i was working at a comic book store of all places i could have gotten these things at a huge discount mm-hmm. i just didn't i just didn't i was so burned out i was i was done with comics i still kept manga but mm-hmm. like american comics i was done with and it wasn't until 2001 like the end of 2001 mm-hmm. that i came back so that was 1996 when i left and i came back in about 2001 when um my friend was like you need to read grant morrison's x-men and I was like, dude, I'm done with, I don't care about that stuff. Um, but what happened was I was, uh, my ex-wife and I were going through some personal issues and, you know, I felt like I needed to reconnect with my past. So I got out a bunch of my comics that I still kept and I also got them out to, and, and I ended up uh, having to sell some to pay for the divorce, uh, the lawyers and then mm-hmm. uh, other things that, but I, it was nice. I was like, oh, man, I mean, it was like coming back home. I'm like, I miss these things. I miss these people. I miss these stories. And it wasn't just X-Men. It was everything. Uh, DC, Marvel. And then I started getting more and more of my mom and dad. Like, my mom's like, do you just want everything back? And I was like, no, no, no. I'm not going back to comics. I'm just reading this stuff. Because this mm-hmm. is also... Um, you and I are living in the glory days of what is known as the collected editions era. Yeah. Like, back then, in even, even in the early aughts, you know, this stuff was not collected properly unless you were willing to spend a lot of money on Marvel Masterworks. Mm-hmm. And I sure as heck was not going to buy any Marvel Essentials because even then I was above that because they were the black and <laughs> black white. Black and white, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not for me, man. My X-Men were in color and that's the way that I won. Mm-hmm. And I had the single issue. So I got a bunch out and then I had to sell a bunch of key issues. But the story that sealed the deal for me, honestly, was the very first issue of Astonishing X-Men. So after Grant Morrison mm-hmm. left... I read that first issue of Astonishing X-Men, and it was a throwback to my first issue of Uncanny X-Men of 168. And that that was it. That was like, I guess this is it. I'm not, I'm never leaving again. This is uh, I'm gonna start getting these monthly. And um, you know, that was what 2003, I think, 2004. But I never uh, 2004. So that was the one that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna start getting these books again. I've missed these characters, and this is like coming back home. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much it. And you're so you're more mostly a I would say a Marvel fan or a DC fan. A little bit of both. I like the characters at Marvel. I love the stories of DC. Like mm-hmm. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of epic stories, but also epic characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
I have to be a fan of the characters. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to go through some of that junk that I went through in X-Men. You've got, I mean, being a fan of X-Men is a love and hate thing, right? Like, you go, yeah. you, it's torture sometimes. It's torture. Oh, yeah. it, it's torture for years sometimes. You're like, why am I still reading this? In the hopes of one good issue, maybe. <laughs> uh, but then uh, House and Powers of X came out, and I was so happy to read that. It felt good reading X-Men again. It felt good Mm -hmm. buying x-men every week again it was wonderful um yeah so there are moments like that now that's you know uh, um <laughs> big gaps in between but mm -hmm. still there are moments like that that still come now how everything started with your youtube channel um what was the you were were you the one that started the whole channel or were your friends all together so let's just do a channel how everything started um, that was uh my friend Dan and I, who's on who was on the show, uh -huh. we used to have a podcast together back in okay. the uh, about two thousand four, two thousand and five, and it lasted until like two thousand and eight, whenever I got married. But it's um, it started like you know you you get in your twenties and you're always surrounded by friends. Thirties, mm -hmm. um, people get married mm -hmm. more more and more so. People have kids, and you just don't see your friends as much as you used to. And you always have these special group of friends that have something in common with you. Like, it's different than your work buddies. You know, your work mm -hmm. buddies are like, hey, let's go out for beer. Man, wasn't that a tough day at work? Yeah, that day sucked. And you, you bond over that, right? Like, all the things, all the gripes that you have at work. Yeah. Uh, you you know, if you're, if you're in the sports, you have those type of buddies that are into sports that you can talk about the different teams and things like that. Um. Their friends said, yeah, whatever you're into, but your geek friends, the things that are you're into that only they would get, that normal people around the bar are like, what are those idiots talking about? Mm -hmm. Those are the kind of conversations I miss. I used to work at a comic book store. So those kind of conversations came all the time. Mm -hmm. And and those kind of conversations came on Wednesday, every Wednesday, comic book day. I learned so much through so many of these older people that would come and get books. And that's the first time I read a a duck comic was when somebody told me to put down the superheroes books when I was working at the comic store and mm -hmm. pick up a duck comic book. But I, I remember missing that. And, and now our kids were a little bit older. So I was like, Hey, let's do this again, Dan. It was a lot of fun, but instead let's do a video because I think like, I, I'm, <laughs> I remember telling him, I'm like, I'm pretty sure we missed the mark. Cause you know, YouTube's kind of its own thing now, but let's do video uh, videos, man. I want to eventually talk about these collected editions that I like so much. That took some time, mm -hmm. but, uh, and then I got my buddy Rob who's big into video games and it's all things that I share in common with these people. And then my uh, buddy Tina, who's big into anime. And that's how the four of us kind of came together. My friend Andrew was, is uh, still working behind the scenes on like producing videos. Like they don't do much with the channel anymore. And they haven't really in about a year or so, maybe longer. But the, the, they're gonna we're gonna start a second channel to bring it back to that. Mm -hmm. And they're they're working on that. I just told them to let me know. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of honestly just started because I started missing conversations with friends that I didn't have, and it was different than the conversations I would have with just regular people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think with the. Um... You know, with everything, like a YouTube channel always starts as an experiment. It, it started with me yeah. the same way. Um, not necessarily it's like you're looking 
like you're looking for something to do like you 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 don't want this really to be big it's just about you expressing yourself and also interacting with your friends that's how i started my channel mm -hmm. i never expected that the channel would you know grew this way or that i would start talking about this or that or in a more serious manner and i know that um that your channel has grown were you expecting that to happen is it was that the goal for you to grow or it would just happen just organically uh no, I, I, this is funny. I, so for me, doing these type of things, I grew up uh, making silly videos with my friends. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we all wanted to do. And there were a group of four of us. And um, Andrew wanted to be a director. Dan wanted money. Matt wanted <laughs> fame. And I just wanted to make beer commercials. That was my goal. <laughs> and I felt like it was the same thing with, with this, with YouTube. I, I just wanted to make people laugh and also educate them in things that I'm passionate about. Whether it was a hundred, a thousand people, I don't know. I've no, So to answer your question, no, I had no idea it was going to get like this. And it still blows my mind if I sit back and think about, you know, how many subscribers there are and how much love is being shown because this is, uh, this is, this, uh, you know, late, late, uh, last year, along with a lot of other people, mm -hmm. you know, I lost my job in June yeah, and it was a horrible experience. I had to let a, a 20, 21 of my employees go first. And then I had to finish out my, my contract mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and to get my severance package, I had to, I had to train someone else how to do my job. And that is really rough. It is. And, and, I don't blame them. You know, it's not their fault. So this channel is what kind of kept me going. And I was shown a lot of love then. And I didn't really make that public until this, I think January is when I told people about what happened and how I was going to make this. So it kind of became something that was part-time and fun, kind of became a full-time thing because mm -hmm. I saw that I could do it full-time. And it wasn't like, it, it it wasn't like that's what's the plan i'm gonna quit my job i'm gonna be a youtube i'm in my 40s man the last thing i mm. thought i was ever going to be was a youtube influencer whatever we're called a youtube star yeah. whatever you know I, that's the last thing on my mind my mind was i want to have something fun on the side and that was it and then i put more in love in um dedication to the channel and it just kind of kept growing organically and then, you know, here we are and it's, it's crazy, but I'm not complaining because mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm taking a chance on doing so. I've been in, I was in IT for 20 years mm -hmm. and, you know, I thought about that. I'm like, what kind of, what, what am I doing? <laughs> like, cause I, I'll tell you the problem was I kept getting these rejection notices, rejection, cause after being in a certain field for 20 years mm -hmm. trying to find the job again that's going to pay you anywhere near that is impossible is. you have to you have to be realistic and say okay i'm gonna have to take a 25 percent pay cut and it was less than that it was like the offers i was getting was like making what i was making 15 20 years ago yeah. and i told you know i told myself i'm like wait if i'm gonna kill myself for someone else and some of that stuff was contract work and i have kids i was like i need i need insurance yeah so if, if I was going to do contract work and go back in my career 20 years, then I'm just going to do what I love and put everything I have into this and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, then I can go back to the regular jobs that I had and at least say I gave it everything I had and mm -hmm. I tried.
And the only other thing that worried me was um, my daughters. Like, you know, every parent wants to be a good example for their kids. So I thought, okay, am I setting a good example for my daughters if I tell them it's okay to quit your normal job and to do what you love for a living? Mm-hmm. Because that's irresponsible to me, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's a Latin thing. I don't know if it's a man thing. I don't know what it is, but to me, you know, there are priorities. There are priorities in life that we need to live by. And one of them is, you know, put food on the table and keep the, keep a roof above your head and keep the lights on for the family. And, you know, I was able, I was able, I was going to be able to do that, but I'm like, is that a good example for my daughter? And then my good friend of mine, uh, who's a Catholic priest when we grew up doing crazy things together, but mm-hmm. he's, he's a priest now. He, he told me, he was like, dude, what are you talking about? That is the best example you can give your daughters. Like to that, if you work hard, if you, you know, if you put everything into it, you can achieve, you know, what you want to do, what you want to do, what you love doing for a living. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the best examples you can give your daughters. And I kind of, that, that really put things into perspective for me. And I said, okay, then I'm going to do this full time. And I made that announcement in January. Yeah. So it's been, it's been great so far. It's been, it's been nice. It's been awesome. Totally did not see that happening. Like if you were to ask me, like even a, even a year ago when I had a job, like this was still fun, but I was making videos every day and I'm like, no, I'm going to keep it growing. I'm going to, let's see where it goes. A year ago, I would have been like, what? I'm not going to quit my job. Well, I didn't quit my job. I'm sorry. I got fired and kind of put here, but you know, I'm not, <laughs> going to leave my career to go be a youtube star are you crazy now a lot of that has to do with um also you know the ability to do that also comes from marvel we we wrote um have a contract with marvel uh, to to produce four videos a month for them and then that's both fun and also scary because i had to sign an nda so it kind of makes things it makes things legit but i tell you what though that was really cool because my buddy um dan who's on the show with me he's a lawyer he's a copyright lawyer Mm mm-hmm and I was like, okay, let's take a step back, dude. I get to make videos for Marvel. Let's think like we're 13 years old again. I get to make videos for Marvel. You, in the span of a month, had to rewrite a contract for Marvel slash Disney. Mm-hmm. Because this is a first of its kind contract. And what they did was send us a contract for like a million dollar commercial company. And I'm like, I'm a guy in my basement. I can't afford the things that they're asking for. It was a copy and paste contract of like 32 pages and Dan had to rewrite it. And I was like, let's step back and pretend like we're 13 again. How awesome is that? Like, and he was like, you're right. That is really cool. But yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's been, it's been great, man. It's been great. So now what is the scariest thing that you have to, you know, confront every day? I know because all the challenging, uh, the most challenging things that you have every day in your channel. Um, this is a good question. And when, when people think about, um, this is, this is something that I have a fear about before I even decided to do this full time. And that's to think about content, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. People are used to me coming up with content once a day. Mm -hmm. How do I keep this going without burning out? And still being creative and still putting informational or information stuff out there, like for people to get, how do I keep doing this? And then I was like, wait, we weren't getting any new comics for like four Mm -hmm. months. And I was still able to put content out every day. 
and that's kind of where a lot of my um big segments for the channel came from like my hidden gems or mm -hmm. or my top 10 people really like lists like top 10 yeah. i don't know whether it's to watch because they're like oh i agree with that guy or that guy's an idiot this <laughs> list is stupid like so <laughs> so when i put myself out there i always say look it's my list man please don't yell at me because your one book didn't make it on the list but that's the scary part that hits me and then i have to remind myself i I can be creative. I have done this before. Mm -hmm. And of course, the other thing is like, <clears throat> there are unexpected things when it comes to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And one of the things, because I, I thought, you know, you hit a certain point of YouTube and I'm like, man, you know, this is looking good. And if it plateaus here, we're going to be great. What happens is that, you know, the YouTube revenue, I don't mind, I don't mind sharing this at all. I kind of think this is common knowledge, but mm -hmm. if in case it isn't, the YouTube revenue goes up in, in your biggest months are going to be October, November, December. December yeah. And I, that's what I saw. And when I made the decision to go full time, it was December. I'm like, I can do this. It's going up. Even if it flattens out here, I'm still putting out the same content. Uh -huh. There's no way. And what happened was in January, it drops, it drops dramatically. Yeah. And I didn't see that coming. So I started doing research and I was like, oh my gosh, it drops bad. So luckily I had already planned to do the whole uh, Patreon video, like mm -hmm. telling people like, I mean, this is going to be my full-time job. And, you mm -hmm. know, we have, uh, please, you know, check out our Patreon. And that balanced it out. Thank God. <laughs> because... It's things you don't think about, right? Like, I didn't know that. Like, I, I it, it's something I really should have looked into before. Oh, I'm going to do this full time. But mm -hmm. people don't think about that. The other thing is, um, last week, every little thing, like, it, it is hits you a different way. Like, I used to work at hospitals and banks and things like that in IT. Uh, the most stressful job I've ever had was being in the operating rooms at hospitals being the it there i would get phone calls and my wife remembers this mm -hmm. like where i had to pull over because they're like hey this machine this brainwave machine that's keeping this patient alive is not working if we don't get it working he's going to code mm -hmm. those were the kind of phone calls i would get when i'm on call mm -hmm. oh i wasn't even on call they just had my number but anyway you know nothing compares to that to human life yeah. and you know the you you your dumb machine that you keep running keeping someone alive. Nothing will compare to that level of stress. Now it's different kinds of things. Yeah. Um, because if you, uh, it, yes, it's my own thing. It's my own brand. It's my own business, but I still kind of work for somebody. I still work for YouTube. Yeah. So what happened last week was YouTube algorithm was broken and the, for some reason, people's likes were disappearing. Mm -hmm. So if you know much about YouTube algorithm, the way it works is it's not just views. Like say you have a hundred thousand views on a video. Whoopty. That's awesome. Good for you. Great. But you have to have the likes to match the views. Yep. Uh, and it's usually, I think they say 4% is good. 4% is good. So like for a thousand or a hundred thousand, you know, you have 4,000 uh, likes, whatever it is. But then that drop, like, our our likes were cut in a third and I was like, what the heck is going on? So I got a, because that keeps your channel uh, being promoted to others right. that don't, don't watch your show. And yeah. that's what you want, right? You want stability. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that this is this video is hitting somebody that normally doesn't watch your channel, is not a subscriber, and goes, huh, yeah, that, guy's, that guy actually, uh, he's pretty funny, or he's not, or he's an idiot. I'm going to watch all his top 10 lists so I can make fun of him. 
but that's what you want. And mm-hmm. if, if that is broken, then your videos don't get promoted. Your videos are just going to keep being viewed by the people that are already subscribed to you, yeah. which is great. I love, I love my viewers, but mm-hmm. you also want to keep growing because this is now my livelihood. So right. <laughs> man, in two days, I'm talking to, to YouTube through chat. Cause you know, the emails don't work that well. And they're like, we're going to open up a case. Like they, oh, that's what it was. They refused to open up a case. They're like, we don't see anything wrong. And I'm like, I'm telling you, I'm watching my views. I even show them documented pictures. I'm like, I'm watching my view, my likes disappear. Like I, when this video finished, we did a live show, my wife and I, every Saturday. And mm-hmm. we had over, over 200 uh, likes. I am looking at it right now. And I'm take, I took pictures. It's, it's down to 148. Mm-hmm. I said, something happened. I'm like one or two, I get maybe even 10, but this is over 50 likes that just disappeared for no reason. Yeah. So they were like, we don't see anything wrong on our end. I had to talk to three different people. Finally, somebody was like, Hmm, you know, maybe something is going on because I kind of see, kind of see something up. So let me open up a case for you. They open up a case, but it's that kind of stuff that you have to deal with now. Yeah. Um, and everybody has something to deal with at, at, at their own job, right? Whether you own your own business or whether you, you work for somebody, your computer's not working. Or if you're like in the recycling business, you own your own business and one of your trucks breaks down. Mm-hmm. It, it's that, I still think it's that level of stress, but it's different now. Now, different. I have to, now I have to deal with numbers and uh, analytics and things like that. But, um, but my wife who's been, really the rock and everything behind all this you know mm-hmm. always reminds me like take a step back mm-hmm. and you you make videos for marvel and you make people happy and yeah yeah that's a good it's way wonderful. to put it yeah it's wonderful yeah it is um yeah and i would say i feel the same way as you do um uh, i like two years ago i decided to go on this full-time to do like my content creation full-time even though i have mm-hmm. a small channel it was just mm-hmm. experimentation and at the beginning, when you're ready to jump, uh, I came from a financial world where where I was making good money. Oh, and yeah. uh, even though when I decided to quit, well, I was always complaining. I was making content, but I was always complaining about my life in this job that I had or everything that happened. And my wife, one, one day, she just got tired of hearing me always complaining. And uh, <laughs> she said, why don't you simply quit and do this full time and see how it goes? Try for a year. So I took her... Actually, the, her, when she said it, I kind of clicked on me and I said, let's just do it. She's kind of giving me the green light, so let's do it. So that's what I did. And um, and I, I would say that in the beginning, the scariest thing was, um, it's like, it, it, you know, before you get into it, you're happy and excited. But once, oh, yeah, of course. But of once course. you're out of work, you know, I say goodbye to all my coworkers, my everybody that was on, on my company, the CEO. I talked to everyone. It was excited for me. But of course, you know, the, the next day, it's like, what am I supposed to do now? Uh, now I have to come up with content almost every day. And that's something that is still up to this day is challenging because in the beginning, you make a lot of mistakes. You're trying to find content. Last year was terrible for most people, but also was a year of experimentation. You're experimenting with a lot of things in content in your channel. Some things work, some things don't work. But it's always that, you know, trying to keep up with the numbers, try to keep up with YouTube algorithm which I think is the hardest thing, as you mentioned. Um, it's always something with uh, YouTube. They're always changing the algorithm. They're always changing things around. And sometimes it's it's, it's really challenging because you got to keep up with that. 
as, at the same time, you have to create content. And um, yeah, I can say it, it's not as simple. Um, it is really challenging and definitely it's scary uh, because you don't know. You, YouTube is it's strong as it is, but you yeah. don't know if it's going to stand here forever. So it's something that is really always there in the back of your mind because, you, like you said, you left everything behind, a, a good job, or in this case, um, you were let go like many people. And in my case, you know, I knew that I always could go back to to the company because they told me if you needed to come back, you can come back. But last year, with everything that happened, they pretty much went bankrupt. So it's not like I have a way to go back. So um, I would say that that's the scariest thing. Now, let me ask you this. Um, now, what is the thing that you love the most? And now we talk about the things that you, you know, they're more mm -hmm. scary. But what are the things that you love the most about doing what you do now? Um. I know it's not, it's a podcast. I was going to show you uh, getting pictures from twelve year old kids, like uh, writing in the back, like you're my favorite YouTuber, or or, oh, or drawing my, or drawing like Wolverine and and things like that. That that brings me a lot of uh, a lot of happiness. I think. Um, but I will I'll be honest with you. The most important thing to me that I've gotten um, are the emails or comments like. Whenever I have this uh, segment on my channel and it's part of the whole Marvel deal that, you know, I get breaking news about yeah. upcoming books or upcoming reprints. And I, I remember that feeling of like looking at a solicitation uh, and, you know, when I was, <laughs> I'm still on this, on, on the other side, but like when I was, when I didn't know before anybody else, I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's awesome. I cannot wait for November. It can't come fast enough. Mm-hmm. So I've told that story when I, uh, that, that's the story behind the suit. Like I found out after a meeting, I was getting fired. So I came home instead of going out yeah. and drinking and I made a video about the upcoming Marvel books because I remember that feeling of like hope. Like I'm like, okay, my day has been kind of really crappy. I just found out I lost my job. I had to let 21 of my employees go. Maybe I can make someone else's day better. Yeah. So I made that video and it was huge. It was huge. It was like uh 10 Marvel books. I can't remember, but it was the first time I wore the suit and it kind of became a thing that I wore it, but I didn't tell anybody the story about it until this past January. Yes. But the comments that I would get were that mean the world to me or like, you know, uh, somebody with cancer or, or somebody that lost a, a family member or, or somebody that had, um, uh, that, uh, has thought about ending things mm -hmm. and now they have something to look forward to. Yeah. And I don't, I don't care how this sounds to anybody that doesn't understand the concept of, and the importance of comics and how, how weird it must sound to somebody that doesn't, you know, understand like, Oh, well, somebody's going to commit suicide if that book doesn't come out or whatever, you know, as, as long as it keeps somebody going, that's all that matters to me. Like, whatever that may be, whether it's a game a year from now or whether it's a movie a year from now. Um, so th those messages mean the world to me. And of course, I always, you know, I've developed uh, some relationships through there just by emailing some people back. And it's weird, man, because I never thought that I would be in a position like that. And I've shared those kind of news with David, you know, to let him know, like, you know, these things are important to a lot of people and it helps a lot of people. So I think that's probably my favorite thing about this. It's all the 
I guess the happiness. Yes, mm-hmm. there's going to be people that gripe like, oh, why are they choosing this book to reprint or whatever? You're always going to get that. Mm-hmm. But I stopped focusing on all that stuff a long time ago. I focus on the good emails and the comments that, you know, how much happy. Like, I, people are like in tears. See, they're like, when, <laughs> or people that are like, I had to pull my car over when I was listening to this man. Like, I had to scream. This is amazing. That I, mm-hmm. it's like Ultimate Spider Man. And I don't care. You know, it's like, it's a book that I really didn't mean much to me, but I know the importance it of it to a lot, lot of people. Someone, yeah. yeah. So I think that's the, the great thing about comics is that, um, like you said, um, they mean a lot to different people. Um, and the, the beauty of it is that there's so many stories that we can all relate to. Um, like for example, mm-hmm. in my case, like you mentioned, uh, reading Condorito, I read Condorito when I was a kid in Mexico. Um, so I know the stories, um, and growing up in Mexico, I had the opportunity to read a lot of comics right next to the United States. So we get the opportunity to get also American comics. Yeah. But, um, but the thing is, this is that, um, those stories, they, they really are part of our, not only our childhood, but also, uh, they, they mean a lot because of the values, because of the stories, because you, you feel like you're connected to these characters, uh, like yes. you were saying about the X-Men. That you, it's like a soap opera, like a telenovela. You know, you're always there, even though they're always messed up. There's always a lot of stuff that you're, you know, you really can be dissatisfied with the story. You still want to know what's going on with their lives, and you stuck with them for years. And regardless, you know, you 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 really cheer up when they are winning, but also you suffer with them when they're, you know, like <laughs> going through the hard times or the bad writing or the bad stories. But you still keep up because you're loyal to them. And I think there's a lot of loyalty. And like you're saying, I think the most important thing is about hope. And I think that's what you bring to your viewers, your channel. It's a, you bring hope. You know, It might not be the solution to their problems, but at least it gives them a little bit of hope in the middle of their day. And I feel that that's the best part of it. Now, Thanks. Now, now with all the things that are happening now with the industry, now getting into the comic part, um, talking about comics, how do you feel about the industry right now? And of course, we had a lot of changes with the pandemic. Um, there's no cons right now, so there's not like we can Oof. go places. And I know a lot of people have a, a waiting for that to happen. But what do you think about the the state of it, of the industry as a whole? Uh, you think it's healthy? Do you think it's going through hard times? How do, what do you think? I know that 2020 was one of the biggest years for graphic novels. One of the biggest years for graphic novels. like just it, whether it was people at home buying books you know because they're bored or people at home wanting to relive their childhood or new people getting new books it's huge it blew up and the books that they keep selling out mm-hmm. it's kind of crazy so i think the industry is doing well and maybe they're looking at different ways of producing comics because comics are getting expensive. I mean, there was a rumor that DC wanted to start doing five, six dollar comics. And, you know, if you think about that, that's a that's a lot of money for mm-hmm. a kid. I mean, and I know I say kid, I still have hopes that kids buy comics. Uh, but, you know, I I feel like a lot of it has to change. And I hate the and I hate fighting change because I'm I'm an old man at heart. Mm-hmm. I like physical media, I like physical video games, I like physical movies. Yeah. But in reality, we're living in the last. I, I'm, I'm I think you know it's a strong statement to make, but I think it's accurate that this is the last generation of physical media for yeah. movies in video games. Like the PlayStation, when the PlayStation Six gets announced, it will not have a slot for your 
whatever or your physical medium same thing with the xbox i mean we already have a playstation 5 and an xbox without a cd drive mm-hmm. um they're testing the waters of course why would you not you're going to save a lot of money without physically make i think there will always be small party companies that make physical media mm-hmm. but it's not um i think you know most of the now with internet speed getting faster everywhere what kid wants to go to walmart to go buy a video game when he can just download it day of yeah. and wait a couple day hours one. to install mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i i think about that in comic books like what's going to happen and you know comic books will always i think comic books will remain the probably the last physical things to go away they'll they'll put up a fight and I mean, the sales of these books mean that some aspect of this is working. Maybe, you know, because book sales aren't, book sales were not, are not that affected by digital sales. No. Right. So I think that's what it is. Like the pure form of opening one of these things up and reading it. Not affected by, now single issues I think have been affected. And if they see that we we might come to the day of, okay, well, Instead of releasing a comic book, which sucks because there's a lot of people that there's a lot of people that build their channels on CGC and, and, and weekly comic books. And it's a lot harder to put a tablet in a CGC slab or, you know, mm-hmm. so I think we may see the time here in the next couple of years of digital only releases for new new books, new books. Yeah, yeah, new comics. And then we'll get a physical collection. That's the way I see it going, you know, going your monthly, your weekly comic books are going to be digital. And then if you're interested in the collection, then we'll come out with a hardcover trade paperback or an omnibus of it. Cause they've kind of done that already a little mm. bit with some of uh, digital only books or digital only comics that are being printed in trade paperback or in hardcover collection. So it's, it's not like they haven't done it before, No, but, but eventually it will be the, uh, you know, your Batman and Superman and X-Men one day will probably be digital. Yeah, that seems to be the future. In, in my case, for example, I'm, I'm a big fan of digital comics. I read a lot of digital comics. And I also <laughs> recommend that to readers, particularly those who had never read these stories. Um, always recommend try the digital first and see if you like it. And if you like it, then you can get the collected edition, whether it's hardcover or softcover. So I think that the option is there. Um, to me, it's always about for people... Um, the recommendation is for people to read comics regardless, whatever the format. Of course, you know, I do love the hardcovers because I, I think I started with soft covers, but I've been changing to hardcovers because I love mm-hmm. the format more, mostly for collectible purposes. And I love sometimes just the fact of grabbing a book and just opening it. You know, I think it's just the fact of that, that I think the feel that we had growing up. But, you know, I think for simplicity, and I've been moving into more a digital realm, um, I know why some people still reluctant to move there, and I'm okay with that. But like you yeah. said, I do believe that it's going to be the last bastion of digital format, uh, the digital media, because I feel that in this case with movies, it's a different way. You know, movies you can have it digitally, or even video games. It, we have been prompted to do it before. I think and we have been trained to do it. Uh, the way they're doing it uh, with comics is a totally different thing. And I feel that we are going to, like you said, we're going to see more of that digital uh, media coming our way in the next couple of years. But I still think that a lot of people are still going to be reluctant to move that, that in that direction unless they're forced to. 
Now, one thing that surprised me now, it's like, I remember a few years back, and you, you know, you know, as I, as you know, like, Copnibuses are right now, like, the hot items that everyone wants, and the absolutes and all of that. But I remember a few years back where you could actually purchase an omnibus. You know, it could stay there on cheap graphic novels or in stock <laughs> trades for months. Yeah. And I normally I used to wait till the end of the year for the special sales or whatever when they mm-hmm. discounted even more. So I could have just waited for six months and get me an omnibus because it was discounted even more. And then you got some special offers or whatever. And no, you know, I think that was the thing. But nowadays it's like if you... You know, you snooze, you lose. So you, you better just jump on it the same day and because everyone is there and they just sell out really quick. What do you think about that? Do you think it's a, it's, it's, I don't know, it's extreme because to me, like some of these omnibuses, nobody wanted them when the, on the first release. And now yeah. everyone wants to have them. And I think you have been, uh, you and many other YouTubers are reviewing these books have been a, a big part of it too because you're promoting it to the point where people get really excited for it like okay I, i need it i need it in my life even though I, i never read it but i want to have it because omar recommended it or this <laughs> other guy recommended it and i trust their word what do you think about that so it has a lot of factors uh going into it and you you were um what, what was your previous job you were in the business of finances yeah finances okay mm-hmm. so let's let's talk about numbers then okay mm-hmm. So let's say um, you have a YouTube influencer that works out of his basement named Leon Kenny Omar, and, and he's telling you that if you print all these books, people will buy them. And then you see that, you're like, oh, man, this guy's kind of right. Well, let's go ahead and change the formula up. And I'm not saying that's what happened. Mm-hmm. But back um, – I always joke on my channel that there was the before Omar age and then the after Omar after age. age yeah. Before Omar H, they were printing, you know, two Omnis a month, probably one, two Omnis a month. We get one or two reprints a year. Yeah. They've seen the potential since then of like, oh, well, let's do seven Omnis a month, two reprints a month, one or two reprints a month. People aren't getting everything. Right. Because at one time, I think um, and I'll never tell David this, but, I, I, you know, because I I, this is just me assuming. I think they thought that these books were like their Marvel masterworks. Everybody, mm-hmm. you and I, the people that are getting the books are getting every single one of them. What they never took into account is that, oh, no, wait, there are people that just like Spider-Man or there are people that just like X-Men. And even the people that like X-Men aren't getting Excalibur and, and New Mutants. They're mm-hmm. just getting X-Men. Let's start changing our strategy and, and, and market it that way market it like a monthly comic book get the people that only want x-men to buy x-men so that's one thing right that's so that, that that's that, and that plays heavily into what i'm going to say i don't you know i haven't even shared this on my channel but this is just my thoughts but so you're, you're getting uh omar's uh initial thoughts here <laughs> second thing is that you and i both remember the time when uh d header there was a gentleman named d header on on ebay that sold books for 25 to 30 dollars and to us that was huge yeah. that's awesome like 25 yeah. 30 that's how much i paid for man thing that's how much i paid for I from the dog the, yeah. yeah right you remember that yes and, okay so then you have to think logistically like uh, financial wise like how much was he paying because he was getting them at whatever diamond liquidated Cost, prices yeah. were and diamond liquidated prices are insane why were they liquidated to begin with well that's to make room for more stock mm-hmm But that was also the time when you were only having one or two Omnis a month, meaning that um, you had 
you know, you still have the exact same amount of space at a warehouse and the printer, but now you have four times the amount of titles. And if you have the same space, you have to print low. And the other thing is, if you print low, you're not going to have liquidated prices. And that's what you want, right? You want to go into a meeting going, pull down. I'm sorry, this is a podcast. I can't, I'm doing a visual thing. You know, you want to pull down your, your graphs and be like, look at the sales. Look what was liquidated. Who's the man? That's right. You know, <laughs> yes. and, and that's part that's part of it. They're printing, basing it more closer to what the pre uh pre-orders are mm-hmm. than they than they ever have so that's a lot of the problem not problem good for them as a business because they're already moving on yes right hey we did our job we printed and met all the orders of war of the realms and and then from a consumer's perspective i didn't even see that book go on sale what are you talking about uh-huh. it was it was gone in 30 minutes to from a business perspective they're like well we you know you all pre-ordered a thousand copies we printed 2000 the book market got another 1500 we're moving on to uh the uh you know because they're always thinking seven eight months ahead of time so they're already thinking about something else they have forgotten long it's not until some crazy dude on youtube making videos like hey this is out of print we need it back that they even thought about reprinting some of these things yeah and that's that is the formula that kind of all works and how it's working now they don't want any books at ollie's they don't want any books at d header anymore they don't want liquidated prices they're still coming you know there are books that i mean you look at the sales of moon knight and you're like dang we're probably not going to get a volume two and that sucks Mm -hmm. but you look at books like no kidding infinity gauntlet reprint or war war of the realms or uncanny x-men volume two and and more than likely those will get restocked and they sold so well that they're gone but i mean x of i'll use x of swords as a prime example x of swords that that is that was a what is it called the uh the perfect storm Mm-hmm. X of Source was the perfect storm. It was not solicited as an X-Men oversized hardcover. They changed the final cutoff date because they added issues. So the people that initially added the the book, like uh, pre-orders mm-hmm. um, from retailers, from, from places like InStock Trades, Cheap Graphic Novels, Tales of Wonder, DCBS, they never shifted the change of their pre-orders. They left the same number. And... Places like the book market, they already have an algorithm built. They have already ordered it based on what it, what uh, mm-hmm. other volumes of X Men have sold. They don't, they don't work the same. That's why I always say use e or uh, Amazon as a last resort as yeah. pre orders because you're not guaranteed a book because the algorithm didn't call to order you a book. If you order from a retailer or your comic book store or cheap graphic novels or uh, or I'm sorry, pre-order, you're yeah. guaranteed that book more than likely unless something happens to Diamond. Um, so all of that factors into this. And Bob's your uncle, as my wife says. That's 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 the secret to what's happening now. Mm-hmm. And there's also and there's also something I found out. Like there's a game that some small retailers, like you can have a diamond account. I have a diamond account, right? Yeah. So uh Anybody can have a diamond account. I think you have to spend $450 a month or something like that. But the key is, is say, say you're a seller, right? And I've seen this happen, and but there's nothing anybody can do. So you've got the two biggest do the two biggest uh, people in the game already put their order in, mm-hmm. right? 
at Diamond, you can see how many books are left. So let's say cheap graphic novels and in stock trades have already ordered all their stock for mm -hmm. X of sorts, right? You can see that Diamond has 50 copies left. You see that cheap graphic novels is completely out of X of sorts. Mm -hmm. You as a business order 50 copies. You wait until in stock trades is out of print or completely gone. They can't order anymore. It's gone. Mm -hmm. You wait until Amazon is completely, and then you put your books on eBay and sell them for however much you want, you want. to. And that's part of all of this. That's part of the, the gamble in all of this, man. And I, and I, there's no way to, there's nothing anybody can do about that. There's nothing Marvel can do because that's not really cheating the system. No. But it sucks, right? Because yeah. as a as a consumer, you want your book. You don't want to pay escalated prices. But I mean, those people are on eBay for a reason, and they get yeah, so yeah. It, it's all yeah. I, it was me doing a lot of research this past. Uh, Cause I was trying. To, I, I was tired of getting like my. Um, I felt so bad for a lot of my viewers. I was like, let me find out what's going on. So I got together with Diamond. I got together with Marvel, uh, Dark, mm -hmm. Dark Horse. Uh, uh, DC was IDW useless. They didn't really email me back, but IDW in the way that how, how these things work. Mm -hmm. And I found out that the biggest thing is that the backorder system is broken. Mm -hmm. So nobody used it anymore. I got a hold of cheap graphic novels and in stock trades. Nobody uses the back up system. So if you ran out of a book, X of Swords, for example, they never bothered putting in another order with Diamond because that system was broken. And it was a joke through the community, through the retailer community, that the system was broken. So why would you put in another order? They're mm -hmm. not letting Marvel know. So if Marvel doesn't know, they had no idea that these books needed to be reprinted. Yeah. Now they have some crazy dude on YouTube telling him that it needs to be reprinted. And do you go on that guy's word, or do you actually see the data? Now I'm hoping that all of this changes when they get over to PRH. Yeah. Being a random house, you know, they have a system, different system. So we'll see. I mean, all of that's all of that's going to change anyway. Uh, just based on moving from Diamond over to another distribution center. Yeah, because it's kind of uh, it's been a bit frustrating um, because you know trying to get and this is the thing. This is the part of what I appreciate your videos where you talk about the upcoming releases and you talk about um, also um, you make your top ten list and all of that because it really helps. At least, uh, I think viewers and us to really kind of determine or make our own list of things that we need to concentrate on the things that okay I need to get this book I need to get this book I need to pre-order this or I need to wait until it comes out so it really helps because um, now it's just um, it's the wild west technically you know whatever if you are not ready for the the pre-order as soon as it comes out then you're out of luck and um, it's just it's becoming harder and harder like every month like I also my channel I make my top 10 it's even hard for me to really determine which are the top 10 because there's so many stories there's so many uh, collections coming out and they're all good and you would be there like you know I, to me it's like I have to make a top 50 or yeah. something like that I, I, I do top 10 because it's difficult it's yeah. not easy. And then I always get comments. Why didn't this make the list? Or, 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 and some people are really sweet. They're like, I'm surprised this didn't make it. Mm -hmm. But it's just based on me, though, like what I would get. Like, and that's the way I put myself. Like, okay, I'm limited to a budget. I can only get 10 books. These are the books I'm going to get. Or these are books I'm going to definitely recommend. I don't want any. I've recommended Usagi Yojimbo. Look at that nightmare. 
Usagi Ojimbo Volume 1 Saga, hardcover. Mm. And that became a nightmare because what happened was nobody saw this coming. Diamond didn't get any copies. Diamond got two copies. Like, Usagi Volume 9 right now has become uh-huh. a nightmare to me. It's mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. It, volume 9 is out, and I don't have it. And I'm like, where am I going to get it? The two people that I normally get my books through have one copy each, and it's for themselves. And I don't blame them. But me... I, I talked to Dark Horse, and they're like, we have no idea what's going on. Maybe the book market will get some more. <laughs> I mean, we're talking 1,500 copies, right? So it's not a lot in the long no. scheme of things, especially now that you have more and more people getting these books. But I'm like, I don't have a volume nine, but volume one was so – like all the pre-orders that went in through Diamond were not met, and that sucks. That is – and there's going to be fingers pointed, right? There's going to be like, well, it wasn't us. It's Dark Horse. Well, Dark Horse is going to be like, it was Diamond. Diamond didn't put the orders in. Diamond's going to be like, well, you didn't pre-order. And they can't say anything to the retailers because the retailers already put the pre-orders in. Mm-hmm. They didn't meet it. And the other, there's another one that's going on right now with uh, Witchblade. Uh-huh. Witchblade uh, hardcover volume two is, is out. Yeah. yeah um, it's out, but Diamond didn't get that many. Like, so it's crazy. So now people are having to resort to Amazon where it used to be a joke. Amazon's like the last resort. And now people are like, well, I guess I better get my dark horse or image book through <laughs> Amazon because they actually seem to meet the, the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that to me is crazy, man. Like, so what do you do now? Um, now just moving from comics. What do you do in your time off? Before? Of course, you know, you spent invest a lot of time into the channel into everything you do. Huh? What is it that you normally do in order just to kill time? Just to oh, unwind. Dude. Uh, I am very blessed. My daughters are home with me, so I feel like they're my coworkers. That's uh-huh. gonna go away uh, when they go back to school yeah. in uh, this this next uh, school year. I'm gonna miss them. I am very close to them, so we go for walks. Uh, but my favorite thing to do, dude, honestly, is to play video games with my kids. Like, yeah. like I used to read comics for fun, and I still do. Mm-hmm. But now it's playing video games for fun because. It's something I'm not bringing to the channel. It's something I can separate because I've always had different hobbies. I've collected toys. I've collected video games. I've collected movies, books. Mm. So I always had a hobby to fall back on. And if ever this was supposed to be my uh, become my full-time thing, then I can fall back on another hobby. And mm. I have so many games I haven't even opened. And we're going through a bunch of games together. So it's a lot of fun. That's what I do. I hang out with my family. Because, uh, you know, we're still playing it safe here with the pandemic. My wife and I both got the shot. Um, mm-hmm. My family all have their shots. So slowly, slowly, we're trying to get together with some friends. Nothing like crazy like it used to be. But, you know, yeah, that's that's kind of what I do. I like to just hang around my, my kids and play video games. Yeah. And now let me ask you uh, one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, almost almost coming to the end of the podcast. But um, sure. The thing is this. Um, you know, a lot of people are coming into this hobby, as you as you mentioned. A lot of people are new to it. I think a lot of people discover the hobby of, you know, the hardcover collect- collectibles and all of that. I think through your channel, through many channels uh, in YouTube as well. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are really now, and that's the reason why they're, they're, these books are selling so quick. What would be your advice to someone that it's, it's a newcomer or they're trying to build a collection and it, it might seem overwhelming at first and... Then they, they, they see, for example, your collection, uh, other people's collection, and they feel like, oh, I cannot really match that. What would be your advice to them now they're starting? I My advice to anybody is always buy what you love. Like, don't don't buy things because somebody on YouTube or on Instagram or on Twitter or on Facebook tell you to buy it. Buy what you like. 
know, there I have the hardest time when people ask me like, can you do like your top ten X Men stories or where new readers can get started? And I'm starting that finally. It's, it's literally taken me two and a half years to finally say okay. I think I can do it and be comfortable uh, making videos like that because I hate to say, okay, well, I definitely suggest you read X-Men God loves my kills. And then somebody hates that story. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, well, I'm never reading X-Men again. That guy's an idiot. But my suggestion is always the same. It's, you know, buy what you love. Don't buy everything. Don't, don't buy these things to, to, to flip later. That's, you know, don't come into this with a collector's mentality of owning everything. Come into this, you know, because you actually enjoy and find some enjoyment out of these stories that you're going to break these books up. Open the books. Let them breathe. There's my suggestion. Don't just keep them on the shelf all sealed. Okay. And one more question. Um, are you reading right now anything Anything new, any of the new comics or new comic stories that you would recommend to anyone, for example, like any any brand new story that you just discover and you think it's amazing or you think is it has is worth noting, um any of the recommendations uh for someone? I really have been enjoying the Immortal Hulk. That's not that new. Uh, -huh. uh I have been really enjoying something is killing the children. Okay. That has been a solid read. Um the once in Future was pretty good. It kind of slowed down a little bit. But I heard that series is getting an oversized hardcover. So, hey, awesome. Mm -hmm. um, Hellions. Hellions, you Hellions. know, for a guy that's been reading X-Men for over 35 years, Hellions has been a lot of fun. And I'm trying to think. There's a couple of other series that I keep up with monthly. And that's the only time I read digitally. It's when through Comixology or the Marvel app. Uh, da, 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 da. what is the run that I'm really liking? I really like Donnie Cates' run on Thor. It's been a lot of fun. Okay. Well, well I want to say to uh, to you, Omar, thank you very much for taking the time uh, for the podcast. Of course. I know of course. it's um, you know, I know you're busy. I know you have a lot of stuff to do, and but you took the time to do this, and I really appreciate that. Uh, definitely, I um, I admire you for what you're doing, and I really I love your content. I love the channel. I think the channel continues to grow and. I think Thank you. The, the best part of it is that I feel like I mentioned earlier, um, you have passion and that passion can, uh, you can feel it. You know, I, I, th I think you can feel that passion through the, you know, in this case, through the, through the camera, through all of that. Um, I love when you review books. I love when you talk about the books, about the story of the books and definitely you have become a source for me of information too. So every time there is something new coming out, I have to go to you because I know you have the information and you talk about the comics and, I really Thanks, love man. Thank you. Seriously. That means a lot. Seriously. Yeah. But I want to say to all of you, if you have never, I would say if you are listening to this podcast, if you have never, ever, which is a surprise, ever heard of uh, Omar, the Uncanny Omar, then definitely you need to pay attention. I will have the links in the description, whether you're watching this on YouTube or whether you are listening on the different platforms, you'll have the link there. Follow him. Uh, he's a good guy. He has a lot of information. He loves comics and Definitely, I don't know anyone else in YouTube right now that can provide as much uh, good content as he does for comics. So I want to say to all of you, thank you for listening. Uh, again, Omar, thank you for, for participating on the podcast. And to thank all you of you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And don't forget, if you're watching this on YouTube, to like, to comment, and to subscribe to the channel. Also, follow, follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The links are down below. And also consider supporting the, the channel, whether it's JP Sire Reviews or H of Heroes Podcast. Uh, through Patreon. My friends, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. God bless, and we will talk to you again. Bye-bye.